Hey there, it's Jim Stengel, host of the CMO Podcast. We're all marketers here, so let's be real for a sec. We all know that your website shouldn't be a static asset. It should be a dynamic part of your strategy to build your brand and drive conversions. That's Marketing 101. But 54% of marketing leaders say web updates take too long. That's over half of you listening right now. And that's where Webflow comes in. Their visual-first platform allows you to build, launch, and optimize web pages fast. That means you can set ambitious marketing goals and your site can rise to that challenge. Learn why teams like Dropbox, IDEO, and Orange Theory all trust Webflow to achieve their most ambitious goals today at webflow.com. Want to drive greater success in social commerce? With Deloitte's latest creator economy research, you can. After surveying over 500 creators and 500 brands, our insights are helping CMOs and marketing teams harness the power of content creators. And not only that, but how to do it well. See for yourself by visiting cmo.deloitte.com today. As a young girl growing up, what's the first brand you remember that struck you for its creativity? It's going to feel so cliche because everything I've said so far, but Disney. I was five years old when we went to the parks when the Magic Kingdom opened. And I remember being in on the monorail with my mother. And I said, I want to be the voice of the monorail. And (laughs) my mom said, okay. Then she later said that may be a problem, but all right. And I just remember being in awe as I got older and even why I wanted to go work there because it had such, it was, it was part of me. Like it felt like it was just a part of who I was. And again, from a power of like what a brand could stand for in every aspect of how you interacted with the brand. And then of course, just seeing the creativity that, you know, just created that incredible awe that you felt, you know, when you got on a ride or Cinderella walked out from the castle or you know, any of those things. I remember just, you know, even being a teenager and just really, really loving the brand for all those aspects. Hi, I'm Jim Stengel, and I help major brands find their purpose and activate it, and the profits follow. For seven years, I was the global marketing officer for Procter & Gamble, where I oversaw the marketing of hundreds of brands. You may not know it, but the CMOs, the chief marketing officers of all of your favorite brands, are trying to connect you with your favorite products and services through purpose. And on this show, I delve into how they do it. My guest today on the CMO Podcast is Susie Deering, the Global Chief Marketing Officer at the Ford Motor Company. Henry Ford, of course, founded this company in 1903. He has one of the great quotes of all time, to do more for the world than the world does for you, that is success. Ford, now a company with $135 billion in revenue, is trying to keep Henry Ford's spirit alive with its purpose to build a better world where every person is free to move and pursue their dreams. My guest Susie has been at Ford for about a year and a half. She came to Ford from eBay and stepped right into the big global CMO job. That's always a challenging transition, and we will talk all about that. Susie has loved brands and marketing for a long time. She studied advertising at the University of Georgia before beginning a career that has taken her to Disney, Verizon, eBay as global CMO, and now Ford. We recorded this conversation at the Cannes International Festival of Creativity in Cannes, France. This is my conversation with a woman who is most creative when she gets up early in the morning, Susie Deering. We have to be careful this does not become a long-form Ford ad because I am a recent owner of a Mustang Mach 3 EUV. I am so happy. Everyone stops me. I love it. It's the best car experience I've ever had. It's a total game change. Congratulations. 
Have you driven one? Of course I've oh, driven I, okay, one. Good. I thought you'd say that. What do you think? <laughs> Mine is, oh, I think it's spectacular. In fact, I have a Maki smoke gray quartz with red calipers GT on its way. I love it. I love it. What color did you get? I got all white and white interior. Yeah. And I love pretty. it. And it's I don't pretty. know what kind of white it is, but it's pearly. It's beautiful. I just love it. Yeah, it's good. It's it's interesting because when I first joined Ford, I was living in California at the time. And so I asked if they could send me a few cars to test out. And when they sent me the Mach-E, it became all of the conversation and all of the rage on social. My son and my daughter kept saying, you, like every time I open up Snapchat, there's your car. The Mach-E is everywhere because people would just stop at our house, at our grocery store, at a, at a light, everywhere, just stopping to see what it was. It's it's spectacular. Well, mine's in Cincinnati. And same, same. I go to the bakery. Everyone stops me. I get stopped at traffic lights. Can I yep. look at it? Can I look inside? And of course I say yes. I mean, and the technology is great. Oh, and it's the, so good. And, this, uh, it's just, and it's sporty and it's fun and it's fast and it's comfortable and yeah, everything about it. Yeah, the music, good. The music's amazing. You're good. I'm so, so glad you're enjoying it. All right, we are recording this in the middle of the Cannes Festival Week. Yes. And so I thought we should start with a Cannes lightning round. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. So how many hours of sleep a night are you averaging? Oh, four to five. Four to five. Okay, that's good. You're doing well. What is the best presentation you have attended or participated in so far? Well, this, of course, is the oh, best thank you, so far. Okay, um, good. Uh, you know, I, I was with over at Bloomberg yesterday, and there's some really good conversations taking place that are not directly to Cannes, which I also mm-hmm. think is the the beauty of this festival is the, the stories around Cannes. Um, so I've really enjoyed that. Most interesting person you have met this week? Most interesting? Paris Hilton. Okay, I can't top that. Any brand or company that to you is kind of presenting themselves well or standing out in Cannes this year? Um, I don't know that I would say that I haven't been as close to in the Palais as far as any of the mm-hmm. presentations there. But what I have found is more interesting is the range of different companies. That, to me, has been really spectacular. And not just in the traditional sense, because you would expect the traditional brands to be here. But now to really see how that's expanding, of course, from a technology and data side. But that, to me, I think is the really biggest takeaway. And that's a statement about our industry, right? Yes. I I have the same takeaway. If you walked around here five years ago, it would be different. It was completely different. So any new learning this week or learning that's being reaffirmed for you? Well, the one learning maybe being reaffirmed is sustainability and the conversation around sustainability and that it's not just talk anymore, that there's real conversation happening around what are you doing about it. That to me is really reassuring. Obviously, being at Ford, it's extremely relevant for us which is great. I think the other piece, which is what we were just talking about, data and technology. Mm-hmm. You know, when, you know, marketing wasn't thought of as being data and technology. And now if you're the CMO and you don't, don't understand technology, I don't know how you, you have a game, right? So I think just seeing kind of that shift from creativity and mm-hmm. where data and technology play, not just as an enabler or deliverer of it, but really part of the creation. When people are meeting you this week and see your badge, what are they saying about Ford? Wow, things are changing. I've heard a lot of, wow, the product is amazing, just as you opened up with, you know, the Maki, the Lightning, the Bronco, the Maverick. And then the second piece, which is I have felt really excited about, is to see a change happening in the way in which we're presenting ourselves. So, which obviously, when you have great product, it makes it a lot easier to have great advertising and great campaigns. But even hearing from more of a marketing perspective, as far as positions that we're taking and the way that we're introducing new audiences to the brand, and that that I think is pretty special. I often get asked who I admire on purpose and other things, and I quickly talk about you and GM. Great. 
really, I think the That's things great. you are doing on purpose and bringing it to life in your role in the world and the culture you're building and the transformation that's going on, it's freaking inspiring. That's awesome. And as you know, that's hard. I know it's hard. That is hard. And I, and I think the other piece that's exciting about it is we're a company that doesn't have to didn't have to go try and find out how to build purpose. It was built with purpose. And that and you know, one of the very first things that I did at, at Ford, in fact, even before I started, was to really land and articulate our purpose as a business. And the company knew it in our DNA, but they had never articulated it. And so when we established, you know, the key purpose of the business and why we existed, it was amazing to watch how many decisions in the companies could quickly be, you know, just be made because you had that guidepost. You knew exactly what you were fighting for. So I've heard you say in other venues that you joined for its purpose, and you just said that, and the transformation necessary yes. to bring it to life, because that's the hard work and that's the rewarding work. Tell us why this resonates so much with you personally. Well, it resonates for a couple reasons. One, you know, as you get in this stage of your career, you realize that there's a lot more than just running ad campaigns. And because obviously the industry has evolved so much, and my background being that it's more in technology, entertainment, and commerce, Coming into a brand like Ford, knowing, again, how do you not walk into the company that has just been a fabric of America, has taken on such strong positions, you know, obviously even globally. And there's just the Ford family is amazing. They're amazing people. And then you start to look at the opportunity to really transform that business and, and really take it to that next level. The, the amazing thing to me is the parallels between wireless and wireline is exactly what I see every day between our combustible engines and electric. Because the, everything has to change in the way that you think about that product. The money that the revenue maker of, you know, our legendary and amazing product line with, you know, combustible engines is helping fuel our future. And that part, when you start to look at, you know, the transformation from a talent perspective, you see the transformation in the way in which you talk to your customers, the way in which you show up from a brand standpoint, the decisions you make, it is hard. But you see the results. You see the results so quickly. We've all been there. You spend millions of dollars each year driving traffic to your company's website. And then the results come in and they're just not what you hoped. On top of that, 81% of marketing leaders say website ownership is a challenge. So what do you do? Well, you switch to Webflow. Let me tell you why. Webflow's visual-first platform empowers your team to own your company's most valuable dynamic marketing asset, your website. From launching a new site to optimizing for SEO and conversions, Webflow gives you the tools you need to drive business growth fast. Unlock your website's full potential when you build, manage, and host with Webflow. Get started today at webflow.com. You've been global CMO at Ford for about a year and a half. And you came in from the outside, as you just said, technology, entertainment, so on, from eBay was your most recent Correct. position. And you come in at a really senior level at Ford. Yes. Right? Doesn't get much higher. And this is your first time in transportation. So that's one big transition. And yes. you probably also changed personal life. You change, you move cities, right? Yes. So that's and all that during in the COVID. Pandemic. Okay. <laughs> so how did you manage that? Personally and professionally, you seem really happy and loving life and doing a great job. So what lessons did you have in managing that massive transition? Yeah, you know, the one I would say the one lesson that I had was I underestimated learning an industry from scratch again. 
it'd been a long time. And to walk into the auto industry with no experience was really, you know, I think you look at it and you go, okay, I got it. I'll learn it. But it's learning a business, right? So you need to understand the culture, the way things operate and so forth. And then the other piece is learning the actual industry itself. But at the same time you're learning it, it's changing. And in the midst of that, we also went through a chip crisis. We went through COVID supply chain issues. And so for me, that's probably been the part that that I underestimated. And so it's actually been a really good learning for me. The second piece, which was um, not letting COVID become the scapegoat, meaning as soon as I joined, I was in California and I didn't know any of the people at Ford, really. Everything had taken place via video. Um, some folks, you know, I had more conversations with, more personal kind of conversations, but I didn't know them, right? There was a glass in between us. And the immediate first thing that I did was get on a plane. And I would go to Detroit almost every other week, even though the office wasn't open. And I would just invite people to dinner so that I could get to know them personally, especially when you're walking into an organization where all of those people have been there for 25, 30 years. So... I think for me, that was it was important for me because I could start to understand them as humans and then understand the role that they played inside the business. And then you build advocates. So I think the one learning was making sure, especially now with younger people who are coming in and they think, hey, this is just how work is. I don't need to go into an office. I think is actually a really scary situation that we could find ourselves in. How are you a different leader now than you were two years ago? Um, maybe a little bit more patient. Um I definitely feel the need to be a lot more empathetic. Uh, it's in a obviously very male dominated industry. And so I see the value of, of really listening to the team and understanding, you know, where they're coming from, both again, personally and professionally. And that's just made me stronger because it's one help to understand from how you need to relate to them, but also watching it because in a transformation, you can't just bulldoze. You got to let people want to come along. And I've watched, you know, many times that people think that's what it is. They're going to be a bull in a challenge shot. They're going to come through and they're just going to bulldoze. And I think the big learning for me walking away is you really got to let people feel, get the energy, understand the vision, and then want to go on the ride. Where are you spending your time now? If I had to look at your calendar, what would I take away from it? No, I think what you would take away probably a little bit too much inward. Um, There's a lot more that we're working through as far as business problem solving, um, just because of how many challenges a business Mm -hmm. is facing right now. The second piece is, you know, standing up net new skills and capabilities. Um, We're looking to build out Ford.com is not, I call it the looky-loo site. It's not anything that, you know, had any kind of transaction to it. Now we're building out real capabilities. Um, So I spent a lot of time with the team on that front. The other piece that's probably time I'm not spending that needs to now turn is ruthless prioritization and understanding exactly what's coming in on the work assignment. Because I see people working on too many things mm-hmm. that really aren't going to, at the end of the day, make a difference in the business. And so they're just doing it because they've always done it. And so that's the push, I think, and especially coming from Jim, you know, from Farley, that's really been a push from him is to say, you know, you guys as leaders and your leaders need to be way more ruthlessly focused on getting the crap out and making sure that teams have the time to do the work that needs to be done. As you look at this massive transformation you're going through from a marketing perspective and the things directly in your scope, what do you think are the most important capabilities you need to either build or bring in or or double down on? The most immediate capability is truly technology and e-commerce chops. So all of e-commerce reports into me on the front end side. Um, We had done some really significant builds in the past, but 
we weren't changing the business scope on that. We weren't mapping it to a customer. We were actually mapping it to our business. And so having people that can come in and understand that you need to build customer experiences and they need to be built from this expectation of how technology can enable that versus trying to just have technology solve every problem, let the technology do the job and role that it needs to with the customer. The second piece, which is understanding the full aspect of what I would call the big M, the big M marketing, not just, you know, campaigns and ads that are going out the door, but understanding again from a customer lens, how do we make sure that the product that we're thinking all the way from the very beginning, not just making sure that we have, you know, the right volumes called on production, but we're giving input into the design phase of what that product is based off of customer insights and where we see industry, you know, industries moving, adjacent industries, not just the Mm -hmm. auto industry. And that's been really fascinating to watch the teams because that's a completely new muscle. We know how to build cars really, really well. Now to actually think about like having an impact where you're creating a lifestyle brand where it's part of your ecosystem is a very different way of thinking about it. And it's, you know, it's taking us to put different different thinkers in there than what you would have traditionally seen for it half. What are you most proud of in your first year and a half? I'm most proud of one landing the purpose right out of the mm-hmm. gate. And really lining up all the decisions behind that. Um, The other piece I would say that I'm really proud of is lightning. When I came in the door, we were just at the stage of working at the reveal um, for lightning. And when I started going through the work, I said, this isn't going to be it. I said, we're basically conquesting our our current customers. That ain't going to fly. This is a completely different customer than who we've talked to in the past with F-150, which you can imagine when you're telling the the truck team that, they're the most, you know, widely successful um, piece of the business. It's unbelievable. They know their customer inside and out, which they, I mean, they do very well. But what you were, what I was trying to convey to them was, yes, and we want to love them and we want to hug them and we want to keep them. But at the same time, there's a net new customer out there that is going to really love the lightning and it's going to introduce us to two completely different audiences than we've talked to in the past. And we watched that happen. I remember putting a call into Jim Farley on May 20th after we revealed on May 19th and said, um, we have a good problem, but it's a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, our production and our reservations don't match up. But we now know what the demand is, and we changed everything. I mean, he pushed the organization from that day forward. We ramped up our product, you know, how to change over um, plants so that we had more electric um, plants. We started to put the money in $11 billion into Tennessee to build out Blue Oval City. You know, now we started to pull up our our volumes. We pushed forward, you know, what was supposed to happen in basically in five years. And the next five years is now going to happen in the next two years. So 25 will be a big year for us on the EV side from a market penetration and, and market share growth. So all of those things, you see the domino effect of that impact of change. Um, I'm really proud of it. I'm really proud of it. And I'm really proud of the team because there was a lot going on at that time. You know, again, just a lot of other pressures in the business and they still accepted and, and went on with the challenge. As you think about, we talked about your last eight, 18 months, when you think about the next two to three years, where do you want to make the biggest impact in your role? Mm-hmm. Biggest impact is I want to be I want to be able to have the right impact on product and then get out of the way mm-hmm. and let the product team do what they do best. I want to have a massive impact into making technology be truly and and basically the entire experience that you have with the Ford Motor Company. Um, I really want to make sure that as we think about the customer experience post-purchase, 
big impact on the post-purchase side, whether that's with my EV customers or even with our combustible customers. Um, that post-purchase right now has really not been, you sold, we sold the car to the dealer and then we washed our hands and went to the next project. Now we're staying hand in hand with the dealer and really want to make sure that, that that relationship and technology will be able to provide that different experience for them. What would you say is the key to success for today's CMO? If you said data, you wouldn't be the only one. At Deloitte, however, we believe data is only half of the equation. The other half, story. Because data is the language of business, but story is the language of humans. And we believe the most successful CMOs know how to harness the power of both data and story. To learn more about Deloitte's CMO program and how we can help today's CMOs succeed, visit cmo.deloitte.com. So Ford is rare among large companies, especially transportation companies, and having a CEO, Jim Farley, who you've talked about, who came up through marketing, first at Toyota, then to some extent at Ford. How do you feel that impacts Ford's culture and strategy and its values? Well, first of all, it's not even just Jim being a CMO in his past life or coming up through marketing. He just he has incredible knowledge and he can see around corners like I've never, ever seen an executive. Um, be why do, able to why do. do you think that is? I, one, he has such curiosity that there's not, he's going to dig for information. He does a, he spends a ton of time. I think he would tell you probably about 30% of his time he spends outside of the company talking to people and listening and understanding and dissecting, you know, what he's heard. And then he plies that back in. Um, he has had such incredible foresight on so many levels. And he's also not afraid to tell you where he'll say, hey, from a friend, here's a mistake I made. And so, you know, it gives you that encouragement to know, learn from the mistakes I've made. Um, so I think that it's it's a combination of things. For me, it's great because we, we share common language, which a lot of times is hard yeah. in the C-level. Yeah. Um, the second piece that I think is really helpful for the company is, is that he pushes very much on behalf of the customer. And that has absolutely changed the way in which everybody operates. Because again, it came back to the customer was an end product somewhere, right? They were building they were building vehicles that then again were sold to the dealer. They didn't have it was like PNG, like you didn't have necessarily mm-hmm. always the end sure. that end relationship. And so now with him coming in and really pushing so that we are thinking more so about the customer and putting that conversation up front, I think has had dramatic impact. What kinds of things do you talk to Jim about? Oh gosh. Um a lot of cars. Um I have I have learned that he is a great resource for me to say, okay, I'm not getting this. Like, I don't understand, mm-hmm. you know, where am I missing it, you know, in certain aspects of the business, specifically to the auto industry. The other piece is where we can get into good debates. And that is actually a different culture for Ford. There wasn't a lot of debating. And I love it. And and I think sometimes it probably comes off that like, oh, gosh, you know, Jim and Susie are going at it. And I actually love it because we can have good debate over a brand. You know, we can talk about like, are we pushing the hill? It's great because if I'm standing with the product team and we look at concept statements, he is very clear that he's not happy about something. And he'll tell you that's too vague. Okay, tell me why you think it's too vague. And you can have a debate with him. And I love that because that just makes us all better. Creativity, right? That's right. It's diverse points of view. Absolutely. Yeah. And pushing to make the work better. Now, a bit on your career path, you studied advertising at Georgia. I did. What motivated you at that young age to pursue studies in a career when you're like a 20-year-old <laughs> in this crazy industry? It's it's funny. Actually, I knew at the age of 16 or 17 that I wanted to go in advertising and marketing. I knew I wanted to go to the University of Georgia, and I knew I wanted to work at Disney. Whoa. 
That's yes. intentional. It was very intentional. And I can't tell you the rest of my career has been that intentional. <laughs> but um, it was, in, I think that maybe one, I've, I've thought a lot about it. I think my aunt working at the Coca-Cola company, and mm. we had family dinners every Sunday um, evening, and she would talk about things that were going on. And, you know, it was right around, I think maybe one of the most memorable times was when New Coke had been launched. And I remember just being fascinated by that. Like, why would you have a new something that was great, right? Like, and, you know, consumers pushed back on it, you know, even though in taste tests, they would have told you they loved it, but it just showed you the power. I don't know I could have articulated it this way then, but it showed you the power of a brand and the loyalty that people have to the brand, maybe not even to the taste. Mm -hmm. And I remember just, you know, thinking that's really pretty cool. And then I started, you know, when I started uh, at Georgia, I started talking to some of the professors over in the Grady School. And that was when I realized I said, yeah, this is it. This is I've picked the right path. So I'm one of those few that didn't change majors 100 times. And I was able to, to accomplish all three of those things. So what was your most developmental experience? before Ford in that career path that um, you've lived? You know, I think the there's probably a couple things, and I would say they're from more of a leadership perspective. There was a point in time in my career, I won't say where, but there was a point in time in my career, well, maybe two. One, that um, I was young in my career, and I made a decision that I was going to leave a company because I just I was witnessing around me behaviors, personal behaviors that I just didn't feel like I could adapt to. And I knew that I wanted to have a successful career and I knew that I wanted to be married and I knew I wanted to have children and I wasn't willing to sacrifice on any of those. And yet I wasn't in an environment that was going to enable me and empower me to do it. It was a really hard decision. And a person, um, a senior person said to me, basically, you're, you know, you're chasing something you can't have. You're going to have to make a choice. And that just was, that was soul crushing. And I remember walking away from that. And then a year later, you know, my husband and I got married and I was just dead determined. I was going to prove that person wrong. And I'm happy to say that I have. I've been able to have a successful 25-year marriage. I have two amazing children. I have in a career that I never thought I would have. The other place that I would say is I was passed up 10 minutes. Literally, I was told 10 minutes before an announcement was made, I was told that I was going to get a promotion. It was on every single org chart. The announcement had been written. 10 minutes beforehand, they came back and said, we're sorry, we have to make a different, go a different direction. And there were reasons, there were very political reasons why they had to make that call. And I was furious. I was furious. And, um, and the worst part was I was going to have to report to that person. And I can tell you during that time frame, I did not, I was not my best self. And I just, I look back now and I've learned that, you know, how you handle those moments says everything about you and your character. And I didn't handle it well. And so taking that forward and just making sure there's going to be times that things aren't going to go the way you want or you feel you get cheated, but it's how you respond to it. How'd you keep your confidence at that time? That's what I find. When, a, when trust is broken like that, yeah. I've, I've had that happen as well. How do you keep your confidence? You know, um, I would say this is where you lean on a lot of really good, solid people around you. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, my husband has been an amazing cheerleader in that regard. Um, Obviously, my family across the board. But I've been so blessed that I've had incredible advocates um, that are still dear friends, bosses and dear friends of mine that I lean on. I lean on all the time. And because just when I think that I suck and that, you know, 
I don't know what I'm doing. And I get the imposter feeling of like, oh, crap, you know, all of a sudden, somebody I just a couple of years ago, I was having this conversation with a very dear friend of mine, um, Joe Saracino, who's the CMO over at Chick-fil-A. And he said to me, he goes, what are you talking about? And he just went on a tirade. You know, like you're you are ridiculous. And he just started going through like all of these proof points of, you know, and I thought, gosh, okay, I can get up and I can keep going. So, you know, look, there's plenty of times now that I feel that, you know, I'm in an auto industry and in a male dominated industry, um, making trying to make change happen to a culture that, you know, is change adverse. Um, and I will say this too, Shelly, um, I bought from Shelly from female question, um, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, one of the necklaces, the, the speaking tools mm-hmm. and mine is screw you. It's screw you. I've got this. And I love to wear it. And I tell people all the time that if you see me in a meeting where I tap it, <laughs> I love it. It's, yeah. it's calling my energy. I'm not, okay. no, <laughs> no, I hope I've got this one, but, but you got this one. Yeah. Okay, let's end on the creator brief or in can, and let's focus this on creativity. My first question is, when are you most creative? Um, when I'm being challenged. When you're being challenged? Yes. What's the most creative initiative or campaign or project you've ever worked on in your career? Um, I would say, it, this is an interesting one, but we completely revamped um, sponsorship when I was at Verizon. Um, we were launching 4G. And we went to NFL and we decided that the best thing for us to show the capability of 4G was content that you couldn't get unless on the go, right? Like what was the content you needed on the go? And that was NFL. Everybody wanted to watch sports. You wanted to watch Thursday night, Monday night games or Sunday games. And they may not be able to pick the best screening um, place to do that. And so we went and did a very, very tough deal with NFL to, to pull that content over. And it was a game changer. What's a creative campaign at large, not something you worked on that you that struck you, that's really moved you? You know what? This is it's interesting because I would say it was a piece of credit. I don't know that I would say it's a campaign because I actually think campaigns are hard to spot these days mm-hmm. because yeah, I it's agree with that. because you're creating, you know, creatives um so diversified by the channel. Um there was actually from a competitor, there was a spot over the holiday that was all about the revamping and kind of remodeling of the car that had been owned by the father had this car and his wife loved it and she had passed away. And the daughter went and got all of his friends. It gives me goosebumps even sitting and talking about it. The daughter went and got friends to come and basically restore this vehicle and then gave it to him. And it was a holiday spot. It gives me goosebumps to this day because two reasons. One, it wasn't so much that, that you could see the strategy showing. It was the fact that it showed you just the bond that, you know, certain things in our life have. And, you know, so it's just really touching. And the power of emotion. Very tapping power- in, yeah. You got it. That's exactly right. And, and t- tapping into such a human truth. Yep. When did you develop your conviction that creativity is important in business? Well, I think that one, I had the, the good fortune that I started my career at Disney. And so you were just surrounded by creativity. Um, when you were sitting with Imagineers and they were talking about, you know, rides or creating different experiences you realized how that creativity touched pretty much everything. And it also taught me at that point in time that really the product itself and the experience was really the brand. And that that was going to be the most telling tale from, you know, how much creativity you could put into that was going to be what you could draw off of. Um, so I would say it started there. I think the the other place was when I was running Moxie. Um, when I was running Moxie, I had experience with one of our clients, a very well-known client that – we were not efficient at the way that we were that we were 
basically creating for them, whether it was technology or the creative itself. And we broke that down and created what we call Unit 3C. And it was a much faster way for us to just take understanding of what was happening today, like what was happening today and how do we use the data to really help us with creating that next piece of conversation for the customer. And that's when I thought, you know what, creativity is really taking a turn because how you get there is really different than how we would have thought about it in textbooks. Who is the most creative person you have ever met? Most creative person I've ever met. I would say that there were endless of them, of course, at Disney because Imagineers just um, were amazing people to be around. Um, I look at right now, I even think without calling you know out anyone specifically, but I think there's a ton of them that are sitting in Ford that you know are restating what creativity mm-hmm. you just yep. talk, talked about, Maki. And I see some of the new work that's coming in the future, and it's just it's phenomenal. So I think again, probably less about who. If there's an individual, is how we would have thought about creativity of a, a, a creative person. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of about the fact that it comes from so many different areas. Do you have a tip or ritual to improve your creativity, your personal creativity? One I would say is it is a lot of I do podcast because mm-hmm. um, I think that just really understanding and learning and listening from others. Um, I think definitely helps from a creativity standpoint. The other piece, which is you know giving space for problems to be solved. You know, I think, you know, very often, you know, Jim will say this too, we waller too much in identifying the problem. And candidly, as marketers, I think we do the same thing very often. What I have found is, is that if I can with a group of people, not just marketing people, but if we can put a problem out on the table and have time to talk through what the resolution is, you can find some of the most creative ways to solve for it. This has been a great discussion, Susie. Really, it's it's been inspiring me to you. I'm following your company all the time. I Good. read a lot about Thank it. You. I, I bought my first Ford in 30 years. Awesome. So I was We're so looking forward to, to this. Family. I was so, so looking forward to this, and it did not let me down. Very inspiring. Thank you so much. And all the best to you and Jim thank and you. everyone. I'm rooting for you. Awesome. We can use all the rooting we can get. So thank you so much, and thank you for the time today. That was my conversation with Susie Deering. Three takeaways from this one for your business, brand, and life. The first one, it's really hard to change industries. So if you're changing industries, be ready for the transition. Susie managed this one beautifully. She went in with empathy, high on her list. Susie joined during COVID, and since she couldn't be face-to-face with her team, she traveled around the country to have dinner with them, to get to know them, and to learn about the industry. Second takeaway... Marketing transformation is tough, and Susie is leading the granddaddy of all marketing transformations. She's not intimidated by it. How she's approaching it, she's starting with her customer. She's setting the ambition that their new products will seek an expanded customer base. And they are thinking it forward about much more of a lifestyle brand versus a car brand that someone buys on one occasion. They're starting to put in the infrastructure to have relationships with customers and consumers throughout their lives. Third takeaway, have a strong list of coaches and friends. Susie has gotten through several transitions in her career by having a husband who's a good friend and several other friends and coaches who she listens to, she gets advice from, and she leans on when she is dealing with issues that are tough. That's it for this episode of the CMO Podcast. If you found this helpful and entertaining, I would be so grateful if you could share our show with your friends. And I would be super happy if you subscribed so you can be updated as we publish new episodes. And if you really want to help, leave us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. The CMO Podcast is a Gallery Media Group original production.